Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories so military spouses can continue to make confident and informed decisions for their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, a veteran spouse, and your host for today's show. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm excited to get into our next interview, but before I do, let's talk about money. Holding Down the Fort is brought to you by US Vet Wealth. And here at US Vet Wealth, we're all about financial education for military families. This year, we're all about creating more education around your survivor benefit plan. Here's an excerpt from our article, How to Avoid the Pitfalls of SBP and VGLI at Military Retirement from our company website, usvetwealth.com. So here's a little bit more about how the survivor benefit plan works. A retiree gets one chance to make the decision whether or not to take the SBP. The decision must be made at retirement or within a year of a change in life circumstances, like remarriage or parenthood. If the veteran has a spouse at retirement, then there is no choice. The spouse and children are automatically enrolled at full coverage, 6.5% of the pension, unless the spouse elects a lower amount or declines the coverage. The decision as to whether or not to take the SBP rests solely with the spouse, who must opt out with a notarized signature. There's no requirement to qualify during the underwriting process. This may seem like an advantage, but a plan that doesn't have qualification requirements isn't an advantage for someone in excellent health who could qualify for a much lower premium rate in the private marketplace. True, the SBP can provide a monthly check to help pay the bills in the event that a service member or veteran dies prematurely, In the long run, however, the amount of money the beneficiary receives in that annuity is usually considerably less than what the monthly premium amounts could have generated as investments and insurance in the private marketplace. And your SBP payments, um, like Social Security, they are going to some pot of money the government controls and helping to fund current SBP survivorment payments. They are not being saved and grown somewhere under your spouse's SBP payments 30 years from now. If you have sat through our military retirement SBP briefing, then you have no doubt heard that the argument that SBP premiums are quote unquote paid up after 30 years, meaning that there is a cap on premium payments while the SBP annuity is paid in perpetuity for as long as the spouse lives. Therefore, even as a surviving spouse of a retiree who paid the SBP for the full 30 years, only needs to receive the annuity for just under 2.5 years beyond those 30 years in order to have recouped the total amount the couple spent on premiums. And the spouse is likely to receive more in annuity payments than was paid into the plan. In some cases, this will be true. However, what was paid into the SBP will be a complete loss should the spouse predecease the retiree and annuity payments stop when the spouse dies which means that there is no opportunity for the amount of money the retiree and spouse have paid into the SBP plan to provide a legacy for their grown heirs. A further matter for consideration is that there is no survivor payment in disability income. If the retiree's disability payment makes up a significant portion of the income that his or her family depends on, that income is simply lost when the retiree dies, regardless of whether or not the SBP has been elected. 
The only way that SBP makes good all around financial sense with regards to ROI is if a service member dies within a few years of retiring. 6.5% of his or her pension adjusted for inflation deducted over a couple of years in return for 55% of his or her pension, again, adjusted for inflation to be paid to the spouse for the rest of the spouse's life, sounds like a pretty good deal as long as the insured retiree dies within a few years of retiring from the military. All right, and that's a little snippet of the article, How to Avoid the Pitfalls of SPP and VGLI at Military Retirement from our website, usvetwealth.com. You can read more by visiting our website or check out our show notes at holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. Thanks for taking the time to learn more about your benefits. Now let's get into the interview. All right. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome back. My name is Jen Amos, and I am your host for Holding Down the Fort podcast. And I am stoked, uh, one, because it's the new year, and also because I have a new person that is helping our community out and doing some good work as well that I get to introduce on the show today. So I want to introduce you all to Anissa Hudak. Anissa's life has been intertwined with PTSD, trauma, and the military. Not only is she the daughter of a Vietnam veteran, she also married an active duty member and Iraq Afghanistan veteran for over 20 years. For three years, she volunteered at the Warrior Transition Battalion at Fort Riley, Kansas, providing yoga therapy, meditation, and other holistic treatments to the soldiers, family members, and staff. After seeing others struggle and having her own personal struggles with trauma and PTSD, she was inspired to create the Trauma Healing Yoga Therapy Program. Anissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Why don't we start, Anissa, with you sharing, how did you hear about the Holding Down the Fort podcast? And more importantly, what compelled you to join us today? Well, you and I got connected on a website called Podit. Yes. Which is wonderful. It helps to connect hosts and guests. And what compelled me to reach out to you is that I was a military spouse for 23 plus years. And I worked with my husband very closely with his own PTSD, and I just know how frustrated I was as a spouse. And so I was hoping that I would be able to get information out to other spouses so they can help their soldiers. Wow, that is really interesting because... I think for me, when I hear about resources, it's usually geared toward either the active duty service member or the military spouse. But I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing someone such as yourself empowering the military spouse to help out the service member. Well, we don't have a whole lot of resources available to us. And that was my major frustration. And so, you know, we got this diagnosis for my husband and it was like, okay, what do we do with it? Like, what does it mean? And because I was a clinician, I understood. I actually knew before we had the diagnosis that this was what the problem was. But even just getting to the point of getting the diagnosis, it's so very hard. And so hopefully the information that I'm going to share with you today will help other spouses really get a clue into what's happening and how they can be effective. Yeah, absolutely. I am really stoked to get into that information. Um, But before we really dive into it, for people that are learning about you for the first time, Anissa, why don't you share just, you know, a typical day for you, uh, particularly what keeps you excited and busy about life nowadays? Well, I'm a mom. I have two teenage boys. 
And so I spent a lot of time cooking and spraying room deodorant because they smell so <laughs> bloody bad. I love it. <laughs> so life has been pretty interesting. You know, we've got one that's graduating this year and we have a freshman. And so it's been really you know, very busy. That's, you know, in that regard. And then just creating my business and getting that up and off the ground and being able to help people. And mm -hmm. so a lot of my day is spent, you know, working. It's quiet. There's no one here. Everyone's at school. And I can really hear myself work, you know, think and, and get done what I need to get done. And then, you know, when they get home, I put my mom hat on and, you know, it, it's feeding them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you for giving us a little snapshot of your life today. Now, the purpose of this podcast show is to share education and resources that will enable military spouses to continue to make informed decisions for their family, or what we like to say, hold down the fort. So today, uh, Anissa, I'd like to get into what you do as a yoga therapist and founder of the Trauma Healing Yoga Therapy Program. My first question is, because this is the first time I think I'm really hearing this, but what is the difference between yoga and yoga therapy? So if we think of yoga as a big pie, and since it's lunchtime, let's say it's a pizza pie, mm -hmm. and we have, there's fitness-based and there's therapy-based. So on the fitness-based side, we've got Ashtanga and Brikram and Yin and all of these wonderful, yummy types of yoga, right? Mm -hmm. And these professionals who, who are teaching these classes they are very well educated. Most of the yogis that I have met are incredibly educated. And so you're in really good hands if you are looking for a fitness-based class and you go to something like that. Mm -hmm. On the other side, we have something called yoga therapy. And all of us pretty much have started out, a lot of us anyway, as fitness-based instructors. And then something, you know, kind of caught our eye and we started to specialize. And so I like to say, if you wanted to get a set of braces on, you're not going to go see your dentist. You're going to go see an orthodontist. Mm, mm -hmm. And if you need uh, heart surgery, you're not going to go to your general practitioner. You're going to go see a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. You need a specialist. And so yoga therapy is really comprised of individuals who are really masters in their craft. There is yoga therapy for arthritis, MS, Parkinson's, cancer rehab, cardiac rehab. I mean, all of these, you know, subsets. Mine happens to be PTSD and trauma and TBIs. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where my specialty is. And so if you have a need, you really want to see a specialist. If you go down to your corner yoga studio and, you know, you have PTSD or trauma-related issues, you could potentially have um, a triggered episode on your mat. You could have an emotional release on your mat. And these folks, although they're really well-educated in what they do, they may not know how to help you because they're mm -hmm. not educated in trauma. Mm. And I've actually heard of some instructors throwing people out of classes because wow. they think that there's a disruption happening and, and what have you, and they don't know what they're dealing with. And, you know, that puts you at a disadvantage, the instructor at a disadvantage, and everyone in the class at a disadvantage. And so you really want to make sure your needs are being met by the right type of professional. Yeah, absolutely. 
For people that are hearing about this for the first time, can you describe in your terms a little bit more about your specialty, like how you focus on PTSD and trauma? Like what what would that look like or or how can people identify that they may have PTSD or trauma? Getting a diagnosis for PTSD is really, really difficult. And that's because there are so many symptoms and they're Mm. so random. And so you think, you know, you're losing your mind because you've got all of these like random things happening to you and you don't think that they all connected and you don't probably mention that a quarter of them to your doctor. And so that's why it really takes a long time to get the diagnosis. And what happens is, is something happens within the body at that moment in the traumatic experience And it's actually, it's a physical thing that happens. Mm -hmm. It creates all of the symptoms. And so we spend a lot of time dealing with the symptoms, but that Mm -hmm. initial catalyst that occurred in the body, a lot of people aren't tapping into that. And that's what we need to really work on. And that's what we can do in yoga therapy classes. We can take that catalyst and flip the switch. Mm, very awesome. And how would that look like with yoga therapy? So if, if someone's like, okay, I definitely, this is what I definitely have. I have PTSD or I have trauma and I want to look into yoga therapy. Like I think first and foremost, how do you make people aware that yoga therapy exists? We've been trying. <laughs> Doing podcasts like this, getting the word out, educating yes. people. That's, you know, that that's word one, really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a grassroots movement. It's been around for a while. This is not anything new. Mm-hmm. What we're doing and the way we're applying it is relatively new, probably since, oh, I'd say the 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. 70s and 80s. (laughs) But obviously, yoga has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think even for me, I was actually just doing a little bit of yoga this morning. My assumption with yoga is usually like, oh, it's good for stretching, you know. And then as you kind of mentioned, though, I think when you get deeper into the practice, you realize that it's more than just stretching. It's a spiritual experience. And now, you know, for you as a specialist, you're saying that it's it could be a healing experience as well and a therapeutic experience. So I think I think it's very fascinating. I'm glad that we're having this conversation today because I, I could imagine that there are a lot of military spouses who typically try to do everything at home. You know, they try to work out from home, they try to work from home. And a lot of them are probably probably do yoga at home, just sort of like what I do. (laughs) And so I think it's really good to tell people like, hey, yoga is more than just stretching. It's more than just fitness related. It's more than a spiritual experience, but could also be a healing therapeutic experience. And so I really appreciate you talking a little bit more about this today. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Okay, so let's say people are now aware. Our listeners are listening to this. They're like, okay, I got to do yoga therapy. Can you walk us through maybe like the science behind yoga therapy and what that process looks like when you are actually doing it? Yay! I get to be (laughs) more fancy and nerdy. So yeah, actually everything that I do is Mm science-based. And so I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain here. You know, everybody thinks that yoga is new age and woo-woo and um, it's quite frankly, it's not, it's all science-based. I hate to burst everybody's bubble. Mm-hmm. And what I do is really science-based. So even just doing your regular old 
fitness-based yoga, whatever you're doing, your YouTube or whatever, it's all really science-based. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what I do, like I said, is, is kind of nailed down a little bit farther. So let me back up and let me explain, uh, if I can, the science of PTSD. Yes, please. And then I can explain why yoga therapy works. So we have two different brains. We have the upper echelon brain that we usually are in most of the time. We do math, we drive, we do all of our higher functioning in this brain. And then we also have this reptilian brain. And the reptilian brain does all the stuff that we never think about. So our blinking, our breathing, telling us to go to the bathroom, telling us we're hungry, like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and we won't pay any mind to it. It's kind of like homeostasis, right? Mm -hmm. That is also where our fight, flight, and freeze mechanism is held. And, you know, we're not supposed to go into that all that often. It's to keep us safe and protected. And it it just hangs out there in the background. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to switch and I'm going to ask you, Have you ever seen two dogs fight? Yes, I know this. I have a dog. So yes, I see. I've seen it plenty of times. (laughs) And so after they're done fighting and they're walking away from one another, have you noticed what they do? My dog will probably shake afterward, but he's usually like kind of, he, he walks a little more fast pace. And occasionally he'll like look back, but yeah, usually he'll like shake or like be a little more like fast paced when he walks. Ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So what, what your dog is doing is resetting his central nervous system. Mm. He's had a traumatic experience and now he has to reset his central nervous system. So my dog is generally an anxious dog in general. He has separation anxiety. So like, let's say, for example, uh, we go to a store and he knows like what store we're going to. He starts to get really excited. He starts whining. And then once we park, he he shakes and he does this every time. And I feel like I feel like you just kind of like opened up my mind to think like, oh, whenever my dog has like these intense emotions, he it seems like he he shakes afterward. And I think I know the reason why. But yeah, like you said, uh, kind of if you could elaborate a little bit more as to why, like, you know, dogs are able to kind of reset in that kind of way by shaking their bodies. So he has gone into fight, flight and freeze mode. Mm. And in order to reset the central nervous system, he has to shake. That shaking mechanism takes him out of that mode. Mm. Wow. And back into homeostasis. Well, we, like our pets, are animals. Mm-hmm. So I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but guess what you need to do to reset your central nervous system when you've gone into fight, flight, and freeze mode? We have to shake too, like the dogs? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. I never thought of that. Okay. Okay. So okay. When you've seen someone who's been in a traumatic experience or they're very emotionally upset or what have you, and you see them shaking as a human, what do you want to do? Um, I mean, sort of, I mean, if they like shake out of the blue, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of strange. I find that kind of strange. I right. probably well, would think they're weird. I mean, if you, you know, if you see, if you've come upon an accident and you see somebody who was, you know, involved in that accident and they're shaking, generally as humans, we hate to see somebody shake. 
And so mm-hmm. we go and we console them and we hold them and or an EMT straps them to a board, you know, all of these things so they don't shake. Mm-hmm. This is no bueno. We need to shake because that resets our central nervous system so we don't then have PTSD. Wow. So basically you're saying that when we are in a, a, a freeze, flight, or fight, what do you call it, stance, the way to get back to homeostasis is to shake. And does this tie into what your work with yoga therapy? It does. So if someone doesn't shake, mm-hmm. then generally it kind of becomes that they're, they're stuck in fight, flight, and freeze mode. And then all of a sudden, they start to develop all of these symptoms, depression, anxiety. They, and so it's the symptoms that we kind of wind up treating, but switching that button, getting them out of the fight, flight, and freeze mode, the shaking, is what we really need to do in order to really get some deep healing going on. Mm-hmm. And in the yoga therapy, we can actually get people to that point where they are shaking. Wow. And helping them reset that central nervous system button. Mm-hmm. So in my class, you're going to get a full body workout, but we do really hone in on certain muscle groups that really hold emotion and trauma, and we work them to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I will hear you know, my clients say, I'm shaking. My legs are shaking. I feel like my legs are like jelly or whatever it is. And I'm like, yep. Just let it go. Let it go. Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's them resetting that central nervous system. And it's also them releasing emotion. Wow. Baggage. And so it's really incredible what we can do. And you don't even know what's happening. You don't even realize that this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds really incredible. For anyone that does go through yoga therapy. How long would you say does it take for a person? I'm I'm sure it probably varies, but on average, how long do you think it takes for someone to start seeing results with yoga therapy? So classes are average, you know, between 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes. I don't really teach longer than that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, initially, generally everyone says to me after a class, I feel so much lighter. Hmm. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. And you might just feel like just because you've done yoga. I mean, every person is different. Every person's healing journey is different. And I've had clients come to me and after three months say, you know what? I'm good. And then I've had Mm -hmm. clients that have been with me for three, five years and I still see them. And so there is, you know, your healing journey is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And you can't compare yourself to anyone else. It's yours. And yeah, yours absolutely. Too. Very cool. Very cool. And for our listeners, because we have listeners from all over, do you provide like, is this something that has to be done in person? Or are there a way do you also offer like virtual sessions? No, actually, I do everything online. I live still right outside of Fort Riley, Kansas. I live in a town called Manhattan. And there's probably more livestock here than there is people. And <laughs> Um, cows don't really dig the yoga. So I've had to move everything online. 
<laughs> wow. Well, that no, that's great news. I'm very happy you said that because it sounds like, you know, in describing yoga therapy, I'm thinking that, okay, this sounds like a really intensive thing. It sounds like something that needs to be done in person to really get the healing work in. But I love hearing that you have found a way to take this completely online. And what's really fun is that the class is very different than your typical, you know, yoga class. Most people think that yoga class is very zen mm-hmm. and you know, it's quiet and it's just the instructor telling you what to do. And my classes are not geared that way. And because of psychological reasons, actually, mm-hmm. I refer to my classes as the one hour Anissa stand up routine because I'm constantly talking. We are constantly laughing. A lot of time we're talking about food. <laughs> um, the reason for this is because I am not a talk therapist. Mm-hmm. My job is to get the trauma out of your body, not out of your brain. And mm-hmm. so I'm human and I can listen to you. But really, I'm trying to keep your brain occupied because when it's quiet, that's where we go into those really dark, scary places. Mm-hmm. And that is not my scope of practice. My scope of practice is to help you release the trauma from your body. So do sometimes people sit on their mats and talk to me? Absolutely. Yoga is about releasing. And that's totally mm-hmm. cool. And I direct them either back to their therapist or to get a therapist or whatever they need. And I listen to them. But I am not a talk therapist. So there's lots of talking, lots of laughing. We do lots mm-hmm. of laughing. The lights always remain on. And when I'm cueing a class, it's not like, okay, down dog, okay, Mm -hmm. plank, you know, whatever. I use different language and it's, okay, when you're ready, we'll meet in child's pose. Mm -hmm. When you're ready, we will go into down dog. And when you feel like you've had enough here, we're going to move on to whatever. And that's because when people have been in a traumatic experience, Nine times out of 10, it's beyond their control. Mm -hmm. And their control and their power has been taken away from them. I'm giving people their power back. And, you know, they can come to the next pose in their own time. Or I have people who skip the pose entirely. And that's okay. Because they're listening to their body and they're honoring their body. And they don't want to go into down dog right now. That's totally Mm -hmm. cool. As long as they're safe. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I love how it sounds like your yoga therapy sessions just sound a little more vibrant and exciting and just fun than, you know, I think about most yoga sessions, like the fitness related ones, where it's really about relaxation and, you know, making it your practice and focusing on you and kind of making it almost like a spiritual experience. I like that you make it kind of sound very communal and fun and and I think it's a different take on, on yoga that I've never heard before. And so it, it sounds fun to me. <laughs> it is fun and it is communal because you can't heal on your own. You need to have a community. You have to have a support system. And so, you know, even in my classes, I always do them in like half circles mm-hmm. instead of in rows. And that's because we're, we're creating this sacred healing place for people to be in. And... It is. It's vibrant. It's fun. You know, when we go into Shavasana, which is our final relaxation, Mm -hmm. most of the time in a a fitness-based class, you're on your back, your Mm -hmm. palms are facing up, 
And it's this quiet meditative state. You can't do that in my class. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, people feel when you're on your back, palms are facing up. That's a very kind of spread eagle position. Mm -hmm. And that's very unnerving for some people. And so in my class, you can lie on your back, you can lie on your stomach, your side, pillows, blankets, whatever makes you feel comfortable. And during that time, I'm reading to you. I have oh, a book I love that. Yoga poetry. Sometimes I read about yoga, I'm sorry, um, essential oils for emotions. Um, I have all kinds of things that I read to people. So that way, they're never alone with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And they're still in touch with the community aspect of the class. So my class is very different. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah, than what you would get at your corner yoga studio. And that's totally cool. What you're going to get there is great if that meets your needs. Yeah, no, definitely. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you. So you've recently decided to focus your efforts uh, to working with women who've been sexually traumatized to help them heal their PTSD. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what that looks like? And also, why have you chosen to focus your efforts on, on that? Well, you know, I've had the greatest experience of working with uh, veterans, active duty members, and I loved my time with them. Not only did I see them on post when I worked with the WTB, but also in my private studio, I had a lot of, you know, folks coming in. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And it was my way of really giving back to that community and because I was a part of the community. Yes, absolutely. I'm also a two-time rape survivor. And I know for me personally what my mat has done for me. I mean, quite frankly, my mat has saved my life. Mm. And when I was working, especially in my private studio practice here, I had several women who had been also sexually assaulted. And for me, working with them really filled my soul. And not that the military members did not, I mean, please don't misunderstand me, but it was just really personal for me because I walk that walk every single day. Yeah. And so I just decided that that's really where I need to be. But also I really, I kind of realized that there was this vortex. There was a lack of resources, you know, AA has a community. You go to a meeting and you do your steps. Weight Watchers, again, you have a community. Mm-hmm. You know, the VA does group sessions. There's the WTB on a lot of posts. There are a lot of things for military folks. We don't really have a community for women who've been raped or sexually mm-hmm. assaulted or, or anything. And so that community aspect is so important to healing. And that's what I'm striving to create is this community where we can all get together. We can learn from one another. We can support one another and know that we're not alone Mm -hmm. and heal together. Very beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that. And also a little bit about your personal background. I love that you have turned your pain into a passion, essentially, and helping other women, you know, heal from sexual assault. So thank you so much for sharing that. And really just overall, the incredible work that you're doing with yoga therapy. Is there anything else that you want to share with military spouses or the military community in general about yoga therapy? 
Well, I remember when my husband was, you know, doing deployments, he did three deployments within five years. Wow. And they were three year long deployments. Wow. And every time he came home, I noticed that a little less of him came home. Hmm. But I didn't understand what was happening. And when I started taking these teacher training courses, that's when I got the background information on what is PTSD. You know, mm-hmm. we always focus on the symptoms, but we don't focus on that major catalyst. Mm. And when I understood not only that major catalyst, but I also understood some of the symptoms that he was displaying. And I thought they were crazy, but I didn't realize that they, they were all interconnected. For instance, we always had to have the blinds closed in the house. Mm-hmm. And the TV was always blaring. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me, why are we living in this cave <laughs> with this TV reverberating? And what I came to find out is that PTSD is a very inflammatory type of disorder. And so the optic nerve was inflamed for him. And so light was hurting his eyes. Wow. And so that's why we had to have the blinds closed because the light coming in was too much for him. And he couldn't hear the TV because again, the, the auditory you know, mechanism in his ear was all inflamed. Mm-hmm. And that's why he couldn't hear things. Um, and, you know, he could go to work and he was highly functioning at work. And yet mm-hmm. when he came home, quite frankly, it was like a shit show. Excuse my language. All good. And so I couldn't figure out why could this man keep it together at work? And yet when he comes home, I feel like we're dodging bullets. And it's because mm-hmm. at work, they feel more comfortable because they're around people who have experienced things that they experienced. Now, they may not have mm. gone down rage with these people, but they had potentially you know, similar experiences or whatever. And so there is this camaraderie, brotherhood, sisterhood thing going on at home. I can't possibly imagine what being in a firefight is like. Yeah. I mean, other than ducking mac and cheese from boys being, you know, throwing it at me. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I don't have those same experiences. And so they actually don't feel comfortable at home. Wow. That, work. yeah, no, that's very interesting. Wow. It's like, you think that they would feel safer at home, but based on what you had described, that makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it though? And so, yeah, I mean, there were other, you know, symptoms that he had and and what have you. And so once I started taking these courses and I started putting the dots together, I was like, okay, this is what we're dealing with here. Okay. Now Mm -hmm. how do I get him to get help? And he was very, very resistant. And it was kind of like an alcoholic. You had to wait for them to hit bottom. Mm. I said to his therapist, I've tried, I've been trying for months. I've seen him spiraling down. I didn't want it to get to this point. And he said, there isn't a damn thing you could have done. He had to hit bottom. Yeah. And so what I'd like to say to, you know, my, my fellow spouses is that if you see this happening, go get yourself help because you are the caretaker. You are holding this all together. You need an outlet. You need help go get your support that you need so you can help them across the finish line. Talk to someone. Wow. 
make people understand what's happening in your home. I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I thought that, and, and again, my husband was also telling me I was a bad wife. I was a bad mother and, you know, all of these horrible wow. things. And what I realized it was just, it was him lashing out because he was so miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was, was projecting. Yeah, he was. And, and I was embarrassed and, you know, he was a lieutenant colonel. And so there's that stigma and I didn't want to ruin his career and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it got to a point where it was like, there, there may not have been all of us living at some point. Mm. Wow. There were days when I was just grateful that I got us all through the day alive. And I would say, you know, what good is a career if they're not there to enjoy it? What good is life if they're not there to enjoy it? Don't make my mistake. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let your ego get in the way. Get help. Even if it's just for you and your children, get help until your service member is ready to get the help that they need. Wow. I, Anissa, that is, that's so powerful. You sound like an incredible wife and as well as a, an incredible individual. And I think this is a, a good example to put self-care first in your life because just like what you said, I, I feel like there's kind of this norm where the military spouse has to be everything, you know, for the service member and everything to their household. And, you know, there are very common stories of military spouses just feeling exhausted. And I just love that, you know, if there's anything our listeners uh, take away from today's conversation is to put yourself first. Like you can't help the service member. You can't help your family if you can't help yourself first. And so I love that you are stressing that. And I am in complete support of that. And not only that, I mean, it's the whole, you know, if you're on the airplane, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, you're going to be better prepared to help your service member when they hit rock bottom, if you've been taking care of yourself along the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, although I specifically work with women who've been sexually traumatized, if there's any spouse out there that wants to talk, I am totally available to you. And, you know, don't let that curtail you that that's not my scope. I'll talk to you. I'll help you. I will, you know, help you get the services you need or whatever you need. If you, even if you just want to talk, I will totally take your call because beautiful. I know what it's like to be that alone. Yeah, no, beautiful. I, I love that. Well, Anissa, I want to thank you so much for our incredible conversation today about uh, yoga therapy and the work that you're doing and just a little bit more, learning a little bit more about yourself and the reason why you do what you do. For people that in which the show has resonated with them and they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, you can reach me at my website at traumahealingyoga.com. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret. At the bottom of the page, on on every page, is my phone number. Mm. And if somebody is really in dire need, call me. Otherwise, you can really tap into me through my website. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all, all all the major ones. I'm kind of like a bad penny. I just kind of keep showing up. Traumahealingyoga.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's good. That's good. Omnipresence. It's important nowadays right? on, online. <laughs> and so I would love to connect with as many spouses as possible, male, female, whatever you need, you know, give me a yell. And, you know, we are all sisters and brothers. So I'm always there to help. 
Yes, absolutely. And to our listeners, if you did not catch that, don't worry. I include it in the show notes like I always do. Anissa, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I hope that for our listeners, they were able to gain more education and some resources from our conversation today to help them make informed decisions for their family, or as we like to say, to continue holding down the fort. With that said, Anissa, thank you again. I appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Yes. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.